Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders Podcast. Guys, I am pumped up because today we have bonus content. That's right. This is a brand new bonus episode by Rick Hughes, who pastors Victory Worship Center in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Guys, this podcast is going to be great. The title is, I Can't Lose for Winning. But here's the deal. Before we jump into that, we have got to get you to do something for us. We're providing all this free, awesome content. We need your help. We need you to go on social media, share this podcast on your personal social page. Not only that, be sure to like us, be sure to subscribe, and make sure you're following along so that you can get updates on brand new, fresh content just like this one. Guys, this is going to be awesome, so let's just dive right in. Greetings, Next Gen Nation. I hope all of you guys are doing well today. I greet you today in Jesus' name on behalf of the great Next Gen leadership team and our tech and our media teams. We're all just wanting to do our very best for the Next Gen Nation. I'm praying today that each of you are rising above the chaos and fog that's in our world and are truly representing Jesus Christ and His kingdom. I believe we have the greatest opportunities right now, right in front of us, that we have ever had before. And so instead of us being fearful and unfocused, it's time for us to charge ahead and be fearless and focused. I want to say how thankful I am for the godly wisdom of our district leaders, our Superintendent Matthew Martin and the men that make up the Oklahoma District Board, as well as our district department leaders. God has given these men and women wisdom to make prudent decisions regarding our district events, and I'm so thankful. I assure you the decisions they've made have not been easy to make. But at the end of the day, it's totally obvious these decisions were what was best for these times. Don't ever doubt the spiritual leaders God has placed in your life. Respecting their authority and wisdom is the smartest thing you can do in your entire life. Because God always blesses us when we submit to the authorities He's placed in our lives. All of us need someone that has veto power in our lives to help make critical decisions for our future. So let's talk about this podcast. This podcast is actually a bonus podcast. I hadn't even even planned to make it since I had just done one about two weeks ago, and so I thought I'd finish my assignments for the rest of the year, right? But wait, why the bonus podcast? Well, just last week, I was driving to the campgrounds to deliver some engraved paving stones for the courtyard. And as I was driving to the camp, as I I was getting close to the campgrounds, my mind was just kind of thinking about how blessed my life has been and all of the good things that God has done in my life and ministry and the opportunities He's given me that I don't deserve. And as I was thinking these thoughts, I really felt like the Lord just impressed me to to address the next-gen nation about losing and winning in the kingdom of God, as in what it costs to live for God and what sacrifices God requires of us to make. And the fact that God will never be indebted to anyone. And as I was thinking that, 
It was like God just dropped the principle in my mind. I just can't lose for winning. Now that's obviously opposed to the common expression, I just can't win for losing. I've never in my entire life heard anyone say, I just can't lose for winning. I've certainly heard it the other way enough times, and I can't even find it on Google. So it's a God thing. And so my title today, truly from the Lord, I just can't lose for winning. Now as a hyphen, as a young adult, as a next gen, you are in a critical season of your life, making life-altering decisions about your education, your relationships, your career, and most importantly, your walk with God and your ministry. Every decision that you make comes with a price tag, comes with a cost. And you may be counting the cost today and contemplating what you will have to give up in order to please God and to do His will. And so to get right to the point today, what's it going to cost you to put God first? What will He require of you? What are you going to lose out on? Now Jesus said in red letters, Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and in His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We'll get back to this verse before we're done. So let me just speak to the issue today. Nobody ever loses in the kingdom of God. Nobody loses, and actually everyone is ultimately a winner. Why? Because even when it appears on the surface that you are losing, you are actually winning. When the dust settles, you will realize the way God handles subtraction, God's own special way, is by adding back and multiplying more than you ever gave up in the first place. Now, I love this concept because I love to win and I hate to ever have to lose. Don't you? Do you hate to lose? I certainly do. God is a winner and those who put their trust in Him are winners as well. Because, frankly... You just can't lose. You always win. Now, it's my nature. I am allergic to losing. It goes against everything inside of me. Anybody relate to that right now? My grandfather had a famous saying, first is first and second is nothing. And so that pretty much spells out how I feel about the matter. I used to have all these posters on my wall, all these Snoopy and Peanuts posters that said, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. It doesn't matter if you win or lose until you lose. So obviously, I place a high premium on winning. And so back to the little common saying. There's a saying or an idiom that says, I just can't win for losing. No doubt you've heard that many times in your life, and maybe you've even said it. And when I started thinking about this last week on my drive to the camp, I started thinking, I wonder where that came from. I wonder what the history of that phrase is. And I realized it's been around a long, long time. And it simply means, we typically say it when you feel like you're taking two steps forward, but three steps backwards. In other words, you can't ever seem to get ahead. 
and you say, I just can't seem to win because, frankly, I'm too busy losing. And this is for someone who looks at life through a pessimistic filter and sees the glass as half empty. It means the odds seem to be stacked against me. It means that things would be going great if they weren't going so badly. And by the way, you don't use this phrase when everything's going well. You don't use this phrase to cheer people up when you say, I just can't win for losing. However, Jesus inspired me with this new phrase last week. I'd never thought about it before, never even heard it before. I just can't lose for winning. And it simply means if you're living for God and you put Him first place in your life, no matter what the cost might look like on the surface, no matter how much it looks like it's charging you in the moment, ultimately it will become a win for you because you can't outgive the Lord. And not only that, He will not be indebted to anyone and He's not going to start now. And so when I stop and look back over my life of nearly 59 years, I see this principle played out often in my life and in Val's life as well. And so today I want to share some stories from our lives that flesh out this principle, I just can't lose for winning. So story number one, I had always planned to go to Bible college from the time I was probably 10 years of age, maybe even younger. I was on Apostolic Bible Institute, ABI's mailing list, when I was still in elementary school. No joke. As a matter of fact, when I filled out the information card, you know, the Bible schools would come by the church and have their display and have their singing group. And when I filled out the card and it asked, you know, year of your high school graduation, I truly had no idea because it was so many years in the future. And so I always knew I'm going to go to ABI. I'm going to go to Bible school. That's what I'm going to do. And that was dead set in my mind without a shadow of a doubt until my senior year of high school. In my senior year, I started to feel tempted to attend a secular college, either OU or OSU, with lots of my classmates. And to be honest, I had always planned to go to Bible school, so I hadn't even applied for any scholarships because I always knew I'd just go to Bible college. However, when I started investigating the cost, Bible school actually cost more than OU or OSU at that time. It really is true. During that same time, my senior year and my senior year summer, I was working at Southwest Ford, a car dealership in Oklahoma City in the service department. Most of you know that I'm a Mustang enthusiast. I love Ford Mustangs. And so every day on my job in that car dealership, I'm driving brand spanking new Mustangs. Matter of fact, some of them have just rolled off the transport trucks. And I'm the guy that's peeling off the plastic off the seats. And I'm cleaning the windows and putting wax on them and getting them ready for delivery to customers. And so I'm driving them every single day. And I love Mustangs. And so I got the fever bad, the new car fever for a new Mustang. Matter of fact, I had the brochure for new Mustangs laying on my nightstand by my bedside. 
And every night before I'd go to sleep, I'd read through that one more time, all the specifics, all of the the statistics and all the numbers and all the options for a brand new Mustang. And I would dream of owning my own brand new Mustang. And so that summer after I'd graduated, my boss there at the dealership one day said, you know, Rick, if you would stay here locally and not leave and go to St. Paul, if you would just stay here and go to a local college, then I would train you as a service advisor which was a really great career and a lot of money, a service salesman. Or he said, if, if you didn't want to do that, you could go to school for computers and we could get you a job here at the dealership in technology, which was a growing department at the time. And what he didn't say, of course, was that I would get a substantial discount on the purchase of a brand new Mustang as a full-time employee. But I knew that was part of the bargain as well. And so it was so tempting. You know, I wouldn't have to leave town, wouldn't have to leave home, could go to a local college, go to college with my friends, work in either one of these two jobs, and get the car of my dreams. And so I really wrestled with that in the early part of the summer and was really praying and a lot of soul searching. But I knew what I had to do after praying. I knew it was God's will, that it was still God's will for me to put God first and attend Bible college. Again, this is my story. Maybe it's different for other people. But I wanted to give God first shot at my future, and that's what I felt like He had asked of me. And so I went to ABI, graduated, some of the best years of my life, learned things I would have never learned. It's truly still my foundation for my teaching and my preaching and my ministry even today. In addition to that, I made a lot of lifelong friends that are still dear friends today. And so I have no regrets. It was the right decision, but it was a costly decision, or so it seemed at the time. So I graduate from ABI. After graduation, move back home to Oklahoma City. When I get back home, God blesses me with a great job at the largest bank in the state. And after I'd been there about a month, the bank began to pay me to go back to school at night to get a free business degree in banking and finance. And yes, I said free business degree in banking and finance. And so the bank paid me to get a free degree in banking and finance. And within six months of the time that I started at the bank, I was able to purchase, guess what? A brand spanking new 1983 Burgundy Red Mustang. By the way, in parentheses, since that time, God has blessed me and I've had many new cars, even a brand new Mercedes-Benz. God has been so good to me. But while back in the summer of 1979, that senior summer, on the surface it might have appeared, I lost out by putting God first and attending Bible college. In 2020 hindsight, the fact remains, I just can't lose for winning. God provided the free business education, the secular education, as well as the car of my dreams that I wanted so badly. You just never lose when you put God first 
in your life. But wait, there's more to that story. This is story number two. When I started working at that bank, I quickly decided that my goal there was to become, first of all, a bank officer, and then ultimately to become the bank president. There was a great deal of prestige and power that came with the title of a bank officer and that designation, along with, of course, a hefty pay increase for that promotion. So, of course, while I'm taking those night classes, I'm trying to do all the right things, be a part of all the right groups at the bank, working just as hard as I can to build a good reputation and to build my resume. And I spent eight hard years working toward the goal of becoming an officer of First National Bank in Oklahoma City. However, at the end of eight years, in the summer of 1990, things began to happen. First of all, in May, Val and I got married. And we were really hungry to do more for our church, our home church, and we were really burdened about it. So we made an appointment with our pastor and district superintendent, R.D. Whalen, on a, the first Monday night after camp meeting. We'd been really stirred during camp meeting. And we met him at his house and told Brother Whalen, we want to do more. We want to be more involved in our local church. But to our utter surprise and shock, he directed us to drive to Ponca City the following Saturday and to look over the city and to look over the church because the church was without a pastor. We were in total shock. Now, I had been so miserable with this burden to do more and wanting to do more for the kingdom that I'd actually been telling Jesus, this job, this great job that you've given me, it really doesn't mean anything to me because I just want to please you. I just want to know I'm in the center of your will, doing all I can for the kingdom. And so, this is unbelievable, but it really happened. During that very week, between our Monday night visit with Brother Waylon and our Saturday trip to Ponca City to scope out the city and the church, my personal secretary at work comes in my office one day and shuts the door and says, I just want you to know confidentially that the paperwork approving you as a banking officer is on the vice president's desk right this very moment. When I heard this, of course, I started having all kinds of second thoughts about ministry and taking another step to serve the Lord and taking the church in Ponca and what we would find when we got there on Saturday. And I tried to figure out all kinds of ways I could keep my job, get the promotion, reach my goal of being a banking officer, and then somehow also pastor this church that was two hours away in Ponca City at the same time. So I was trying to make it all work. But as I began to pray that week, and Val and I were praying, when I tried to convince God of my plans to try to do both, God reminded me over and over again. He said, I thought you said this job didn't mean anything to you. I thought you said that with tears streaming down your face. And I had to tell the Lord, yes, Lord, you are right. I really mean it. And so we drove to Ponca City on Saturday. 
and looked the city over and looked the church over, and it was in great disrepair. It was down to just two people in the church. It had even been closed for a while. And somehow it was just God. God gave us a piece about Ponca City. And so on Monday night, the following Monday, we called Brother Waylon and told him we felt good about Ponca. And he said, well, good. You'll start this Wednesday night. Oh, my goodness. There was no farewell service. There was no goodbye. There's no you'll start next month. And so on Tuesday morning, the next morning, I typed out my letter of resignation from my job and put it on my boss's desk. And when Sally got the letter and came running in my office and she protested and said, Rick, you can't do this. You just can't do this. I've turned in the paperwork for your promotion to banking officer and it's going to happen this very quarter. And I looked her in the eyes and I said, thank you so much, Sally. But this is what I've got to do. This is what's right for me. So it looked like, again, I had lost something. I had given up something valuable. I had made a great sacrifice in some people's eyes for the kingdom of God, except when you put God first. You just can't lose for winning. And so I can truly tell you, since that was really 30 years ago, this very time that I'm speaking of right now, 30 years ago, this month, the end of July and the 1st of August. But over the past 30 years, since I made that monumental decision, God has blessed me so much. God has honored me so much to serve in numerous officer capacities as an officer of the Oklahoma District United Pentecostal Church. He allowed me to serve for 10 years as an officer of the youth department, for three years as an officer of home missions, what we call North American Missions now, and for the past 18 years to serve as the district secretary treasurer and chief financial officer of the organization for 18 years. And in addition to that, He's also allowed me the last two years to serve as Assistant Secretary for the United Pentecostal Foundation Board at our headquarters. What I'm trying to convey to you today is I just can't lose for winning when it comes to the kingdom of God. Anything that it seems like that I'm giving up for God, He always replaces it with something superior. But that's not all. There's still more to this story. Story number three. Val had worked very hard while in high school to get a full-ride music scholarship. She paid the price. She did private lessons from the time she was a child. They did band camps every summer. You get the picture. They were very focused on her getting the scholarship. And consequently, with all the work, Val is a very accomplished musician on many instruments. She was an all-state honor bassoon and earned a free ride scholarship to West Texas State, which was the number one jazz school at that time. And they actually paid her to attend. They didn't just give her money for the scholarship, but they gave her spending money and all. It was truly a sweetheart of a deal. And so she attended West Texas State for her freshman year. 
when she finished that freshman year that summer, Val went to Singapore on an AYC trip. And while she was there, while she was in Singapore, the Lord spoke to her while she was on a platform singing in an ensemble. And he told her while she was in Singapore to make a decision about the scholarship. Because if she returned to Texas for school, the Lord told her that day that she would be lost forever. Now Val and I had met while we were both on staff at youth camp earlier that summer in June. This is happening in July. And so when she got back from the trip, she didn't tell me that that had happened for for some time. But I was all about her transferring to the University of Oklahoma and And I told her, they wanted you at that school when West Texas was recruiting you and OU offered you the same scholarship and I'm confident they'll still have it for you because you're so talented and and you are so accomplished on your instruments. And so she went back and went to OU and met with the, the band guy and sure enough, the scholarship was still there. And so they did that for Val's second year. And so that got her out of West Texas State and got her to OU. And so I was very excited about that. But it was during the next summer, prior to her third year, when we had that pivotal meeting with Brother Whalen that resulted in us landing in Ponca City as pastor. And so when we made that move to Ponca City, several things it meant. One, we really had no money. We had trouble finding good jobs. We were both having to work menial jobs to try to support both us and the church. Because again, the church, when we came, it had two people. And of course, when we showed up, we doubled our attendance instantly. We now had four people. But so continuing Val's education was put on hold because there's no way she could continue to to finish that degree because we couldn't afford it. And finally, after several years had passed, We'd gotten just a little bit of money, and I convinced her to go down to OSU and to audition, and that maybe they would have some scholarship money they could give her that would help her finish her education. And in May of 1995, Val finally graduated with a bachelor's degree in education, and we were so excited. But there's still more to the story, because you got to fast forward to 2009, In 2009, Ponca City Schools established a partnership, a partnership with the University of Texas at Arlington for an accelerated master's degree in curriculum and instruction for the unbelievable price of, are you ready? $4,000. Yes, $4,000, not $40,000, but four. Well, Val was accepted into this program and finished it in 18 months graduating in 2011 with her master's in curriculum and instruction. And we're very proud of her for doing that, of course. Ponca City Schools, while she was going through the program, they actually gave her a stipend while she was in the program that ultimately resulted in them reimbursing her the $4,000. Plus, the day she graduated, she got a step pay raise on her job because of her new credentials. So essentially, Val got a free master's degree. Can you say free with me? 
she got a free master's degree. I mean, this doesn't just happen, but it's what I'm trying to share with you today. You just can't lose for winning when you put God and when you put his kingdom first. And I really have felt so strongly these last few days that Jesus wants me to share these stories to inspire your faith and to encourage you as a next gen to invest your life in the kingdom no matter what it costs, no matter how painful, no matter how much it seems like a poor financial investment at the time because you never lose when you give it all to him to let him manage. And I promise you, it will pay off and it will pay off with great dividends. You won't really lose anything. You'll only gain the kingdom. Because we started with that verse in red letters from Matthew 6 and verse 33 when Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what we've got to do. Seek him first. And then God says, this is what I'm going to do. And all these things shall be added unto you. And those are the things that you might have sought after, but you didn't. You might have chosen, but you didn't. Because you put God first, God is going to give you the best of both worlds. And he proves it every single day. And truly, the only way you can really lose out is just to quit, is to not give 100%. So I've given three stories from our lives, but let's look at three quick stories from the Bible of men who exemplified this attitude of, I can't lose for winning. First of all, Apostle Paul In Philippians chapter 3, he begins the chapter by bragging on himself, telling his credentials, his pedigree. It was like his bio. It was like his, his, um, this is my brag sheet. And he was basically saying, I was somebody. This is where I was going. But then he gets to verse 7 and he says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. In other words, everything that looked like it was a positive in the world's eyes, I counted it loss for Christ. I put it on the altar, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done, that I may win Christ. What's he saying? Paul is saying, I lost everything for the kingdom. I put everything, I put it all on the line for Christ. I gave up stuff. I surrendered things. I lost things. But the reason Paul was able to do this, and the reason that I was able to do this, and the reason you're going to be able to do this, is because of the knowledge. Jesus always replaces those things you lost with things that are superior, with things that are better, and with things that are eternal. You always get more than you invested. There's always a return in the multiplication effect that takes place when God takes what you have and you begin to win as he multiplies that investment. So do you think Paul made a good decision? Do you think it was a good 
choice that Paul made. What we know, looking over Paul's life, he became the greatest missionary of the New Testament church with his four missionary journeys. He wrote the majority, perhaps 14 of the 27 books of the New Testament. God gave him heavy revelations, heavenly revelations as well. God changed his name from Saul to Paul. He was commissioned as the apostle to the Gentiles. And we look to him as one of the wisest men of the New Testament. And when Paul got to the end of his life, did he look back with regret? Did he look back and say, that was a bad decision? Not on your life. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The bottom line to sum it all up, Paul was saying, I just can't lose for winning. What about Paul's Paul's peer in the New Testament, which would be Apostle Peter? Peter also knew from experience about losing in order to win. As a matter of fact, Jesus explained the process to him in Mark chapter 10, verses 28 to 31. Peter came to Jesus, and this is what he said, Lord, lo, we have left all, and we followed you. Lord, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you, to serve you. We put the kingdom first. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mother and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. While Jesus explained it to him, this whole concept of, I just can't lose for winning. So I wonder what Peter would have said at the end of his life, if it was worth it or not. This is what we know about Peter at the end of his life. Peter was crucified upside down, and he requested to be crucified that way because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified as Christ was. Peter was part of the inner circle of Peter, James, and John with Jesus. He was the apostle that was given the keys to the kingdom to open the door of salvation to the Jews, to the Samaritans, and the Gentiles. Peter preached that inaugural message on the day of Pentecost, spelling out the plan of salvation on the birthday of the church. He was the apostle to the Jews and also wrote two epistles bearing his name and one is the, was one of the main leaders of the church at Jerusalem. You know what? At the end of Peter's life, what he would have said, I just can't lose for winning, because that's what God was trying to t tell him. Jesus was trying to tell him in Mark chapter 10. One more example, the example of Moses. Moses, of course, 
was born with a silver spoon, we would say, because very early in his life he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, lived a life of royalty and privilege for the first 40 years of his life. Egypt was the world power. He lived in the Egyptian palace, wore the finest clothes, received the the best education the world had to offer, power, treasures, prestige, all of it. But then the scripture tells us that when Moses turned 40, he chose to lose it all. He chose to surrender it. He chose to risk his very life and give it all up in order to win God's favor. He cut ties. He burnt bridges because he thought that what Jesus had to offer would ultimately be worth more. And in Faith's Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Wow, you might say, Moses sure gave up a lot of stuff and you would be absolutely right. It was substantial what Moses laid on the line and walked away from in order to follow Christ and to identify with his people and to lead them. But I wonder what Moses would have said at the end of his life. When we look at his life through the rearview mirror, Moses is the guy who received the Ten Commandments written in the tablets of stone. Moses is the guy who wrote 613 Laws of Moses He wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. God showed him what had happened before his time so he could write it and record it in our Bible. Moses, chosen by God to lead nearly three million people across the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses was the general contractor for that tabernacle in the wilderness. He's called the friend of God, one of the few mentioned in scriptures who actually saw the glory of God. He saw Canaan's land, the promised land. He was buried by God. He appeared with Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus Christ. And most people believe he will be coming back as one of the two witnesses in Revelation during the tribulation period. To sum it all up, what Paul was writing about Moses in the Hero of Faith chapter was, Moses just couldn't lose for winning. So as I bring this to a close today, I know I'm talking to a wide audience of ages and people in different places and seasons in your life, but I feel so strongly that I'm to remind someone today, you just can't lose in living for God. You just can't lose for winning. Because when you lose something, you're in actuality really winning something else. God will never be indebted to you or to me or to anyone else. And when I hear people say, I gave up so and so to live for God, 
I want to say, now finish that out and tell us the rest of the story. Now tell us what God gave you in exchange. Because God is all about making exchanges. He's willing to take our lives and take our what we're trading in, and He gives us something greater. Isaiah wrote about it in Isaiah 61 and 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And Jesus said in red letters in Mark 8, 36 and 37, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In days gone by, there was a song that I've never forgotten. It was sung in the church quite often when I was a kid. And this was the lyrics. I lost it all to find everything. I died a pauper to become a king. When I learned how to lose, I found out how to win. I lost it all to find everything. Hey, there's too much to gain to lose, my friend. You just can't lose in living for God. And the phrase, the principle that God placed in my heart a week ago on my way to the campground is so very true. And I want to challenge the next gen nation today. Be willing to lay everything down. Be willing to lose everything in order to win more than everything because you just can't lose for winning. I love you all very much. I believe your generation will lead the church into the last great revival before the coming of the Lord. Blessings and favor to each of you until we see you again. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. In our next episode, we're going to be hearing from Val Hughes. Until then, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders podcast.